Hey everyone, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello, and we have another week gone in the league. This week is very special, though. It is the midseason transfer window. Um, for those who don't know, we have altered this window. In the past, it was a month. Uh, it was two weeks, and then now it is a week. Um, so now it is taking a step where it is a rush uh, to get a ton of deals done and... Uh, well, we're seeing that. We are seeing a flurry of deals. I will catch you guys up on as many as I can. Uh, it's not particularly easy because just right now I was setting up to do the podcast and there is like a billion transfers coming in. So that is something that I will keep you guys up to date on as much as I can. Obviously, this podcast has turned into more of a week on podcast, but I might just do a second one um, and just, just for the transfers. Um, that being said, I'll also talk about the FA Cup. We came to an ending on that, obviously, uh, which now launches the window, uh, which is something that has changed over the years, of course, uh, over the seasons. Uh, and so that's something I'll catch you guys up on. Um, you know, we'll talk, obviously, what I thought about the FA Cup this time around, uh, what I thought about it not being streamed, um, and what that means for us going forward, uh, I will talk about D1 and D2, just catch you guys up, because everything has now officially updated 1,000%. So now I can run through and we could talk about everything uh, in those divisions. Um, I'll, I'll try and keep it very quick. Uh, I have a couple of things I want to talk about in each division for this week's podcast. Um, other than that, this has been... Uh, a great experience so far this season, the second season of doing the podcast, um, has been great. And ever since I came back to the league doing all the media stuff, I've had a great time. I'll talk a little bit about our Instagram stuff as well that we did, uh, yesterday, uh, kind of talking about different issues. Those are the things I'm going to bring up in this podcast. So your guys' opinions, uh, what you guys thought was actually very nice to bring up and talk about. Um, and like I said, I hope you guys enjoy this episode it wasn't rushed. I just uh, I get excited when I do the intros. Um, but here is this week's episode of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. So let's start the podcast as uh, we get underway, not just with the transfer window, but to the second half of the season. We're going to take a look at that uh, next week's podcast, try and talk about everything. I was going to have a top 10 right now best players on the podcast. There's just no time for that at the moment. I, I think I've said that the last few podcasts and I go and I'm like trying to set that up. I'm, I'm like beginning to do it. And then just a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, I, I almost feel like the FA cup kind of crept up on us uh, in a way because the group stage ends so abruptly. And then we just kind of bounce right into the knockout stages. Uh, it is kind of nice to see though. Um, this Chelsea team, redeem themselves once again. There is a dominance to them. I, I don't think we're going to see from anyone else anytime soon. I think that the way Chelsea has played has been uh, probably borderline perfection. They haven't always been able to keep teams out, uh, but they're in every single match. They have yet to be defeated. They continued that again. You know, into the FA Cup, through the group stages, into the knockout stages, and they pretty much walked through everyone except for Augsburg in the semifinals, which was a nice 2-1 victory for them. But, you know, and, and in talking to Roman, I think whoever came out of that game was going to win the whole thing. 
you know, I'm sure Dre will argue who had a great run. He took out some great teams. You know, he beat Lyon, he beat Liverpool, beat Barcelona, and then he had Chris to go through. He went through some pretty tough teams, uh, including Lyon, who I picked to go to the final and lose. Uh, I just felt that, you know, Chelsea was going to win. It wasn't a hard prediction to make. But who was going to get there was a little bit disappointing. Most of my picks in the first round are pretty accurate. Uh, Celtic definitely blew up the bracket. And uh, I got to say, I was rooting for him uh, in the final. But the problem was I couldn't watch it. And of all the great things that the FA Cup had, it, it didn't have that factor of this is a final and everyone's watching. And, you know, I, I, I talked about this on a few podcasts in the past of, uh, you know, bringing up a top eight tournament. And it's something that is getting some momentum, I, I could say, according to some people I talked to. And, uh, you know, a few people have those ideas to make that a, a tournament at the very end of the season. Something just to kind of celebrate what, what just happened. That has, that, something like that happens, we should uh, definitely do that uh, on Twitch. And it's not about getting money for the league or, you know, more members. It, it, we're, we're fine the way we are, you know, with, with how the system works. But we need to have just something for us. And I, I say this a lot, but I feel like I have to repeat myself because it sucked not watching a 2-1 game between Augsburg and Chelsea. That, uh, you know, you even have the semifinals on Twitch. That's something that everyone stops what they're doing and just watches for 20 minutes. Right. I mean, the final, I would have watched that. I, I hate to say this to Dre, but like I'm, you know, I made a joke about, oh, it's a good thing that wasn't on videotape. But it's like, I, I want to watch that. I want to see the games. You guys may not think that it's important to help other people, uh, you know, other people. I won't even say help, but like engage with other people. I just feel like that's something that we're missing. It's like almost basic communication. You know, I if I put up every FA Cup game next season, you're going to watch. Right, if I post it to the San Pedro FIFA League page, uh, as as you managers, you're going to watch, and you managers are the ones that impact that. You know, I can't, I can't make anybody do anything, but it is unfortunate that that's one of the topics that you know when I go and talk to people at the end of this, it was good, great tournament. Sucks the way it ended for Dre. He had a great run. I would have liked to see Dre beat Leon. I would have liked to see Dre beat Liverpool. I would have liked to see Dre go through Barcelona. And even though he lost, I would have watched that too. Because it would have been a nice journey to take with Dre. You know, in this Celtic team that is getting better. I know there's a lot of changes going on within their team. But it's like, come on. Who wouldn't want to watch that? And then it's like, oh, we get to kind of know Dre a little bit. This Celtic team a little bit. Even though we change players a lot in this league very rapidly uh, during the windows. And the growth of teams is going to make it way more difficult uh, for these things to happen, I just feel like this is something that we could control, and this would have been fun to watch. I I would have stopped everything I was doing, and I was at my girlfriend's house, and I was hoping that somebody was gonna go and post, "Hey, we are gonna have the final at this time. We are going to have it on Twitch. You guys can go on the link right here. Boom, that's it. You know what I'm saying? And it's not like we do much of that already as it is. But I did like the FA Cup. I had a great time uh, watching the results pour in. I thought uh, Tottenham in a Medica game would have been a good one to watch. Very, a lot of tension. Only a 1-0 win. Uh, we got Augsburg and Club America in the quarterfinals, which was another big game. 
Uh, Ramon came through that as well. I just want to talk a little bit about Augsburg. They had a great tournament, um, and it it's, it's sets them up for what is a in my opinion, a huge mistake, and I'll talk about that next. But they had a great run in the tourney. I felt like whatever uh, Ramon was doing, he's going to take to the league, and obviously there's some confidence there because, uh, you know, like I said, I'll get into that in just a second, but there is a sense of confidence about this team and talking to him about just a great many things, including the FA Cup. He felt that he was a couple good moments away from beating Chris, and uh, this is coming from a guy who I interviewed a couple weeks ago, and there was not not an arrogance, but a confidence that he had a chance against one of the best teams in the league. And you have to kind of tip your hat towards Roman. He gave one of the best efforts I seen on the easily the harder bracket, uh, side of the bracket. You know, he had to take out Club America, which is the best one of the best defenses in the league. They hadn't lost a match yet, and then that happens. Uh, you know, I mean, they've lo- I believe they've lost in the FA Cup once. Uh, but it wasn't something that they were worried about. You know, meaningful matches they had yet to lose. And then you go and see what happens. You know, Augsburg doing their thing. Okay, they got through Club America. Here comes Chelsea. A couple good moments. I, I'd have to agree. Just looking at some of the stats, you know, you could kind of see what Roman means. Um, but listen, Chris came and he did his thing once again. Uh, that firepower is just too much. I mean, 6-1 in a final uh, I, I I feel bad for Dre, like I said. I just kind of feel like you look at the other six, uh, the other fifteen teams. I don't know how many were going to be able to even have a chance of beating Chris, uh, let alone keep him keep up with him uh, in a match. And you saw a couple teams do that to their credit. Uh, I, I was I'm not going to lie though. I, I thought we were going to get a Chelsea Barcelona final, and I think that might have gone a little bit better than how it went. Uh, you know, Barcelona was a team I kind of was like, okay, it's either them or Lyon that gets through. You know, I like to Liverpool a little bit on that bracket. I uh, would have given them probably the third best chance. Uh, I just felt like we could have seen better opponents in the final uh, or a better game in the end. Um, but everyone slept on Dre, and, except for Chris, to his credit. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how Celtic take uh, this confidence. We'll see how high they can finish. I asked you guys on Instagram how, how well do you guys think they'll finish. And, uh, well, Celtic got some mixed uh, reviews. I thought seventh. I got a couple people saying seventh as well. I got a ninth and an eighth place. Uh, someone said six. I do believe that anything in the top ten is a success for the Celtic squad. Um. Personally, anything in the top eight, you know, because we're talking about this tournament, you know, I talked to someone else in the league who is a manager who has discussed this with league officials, and it is something that is gaining momentum, and that's where you want to finish. I think to me, if you finish in the top eight of all the teams in this league, uh, you're going to put yourself in a very good position to, you know, kind of hoist yourself up with some of the best teams in the league. And if you can finish in those positions, I think it's a great season, uh, regardless of how much or how well you expect it to do. I think the top eight is the pinnacle of where we're at right now. Obviously, top four is its own special place because of the seating and the other perks of the money that comes from it. Uh, And that will still be a coveted position. But uh, I, I do think the top eight will become something even more special as well. Now, the FA Cup, like I said, was a success. Let's talk about some of the guys who really stood out because we did have some nice standouts. Um, You know, I was obviously very impressed with some of the guys who uh, came through and were able to score and been able to make an impact uh, for their teams. I think that one of the coolest things was actually the amount of clean sheets we got. uh, I thought was pretty special. 
Um, but as we come to the end of the tournament, Barcelona wins that one. Seven clean sheets from Ke- uh, Kepa Rizabalaga. Uh, Castiles of Chelsea, uh, Strakosha of Club America were, of course, the other two that were close. Uh, four goals, e- or four clean sheets each. Uh, and you, you have to be somewhat impressed. I mean, a lot of these teams focused on defense, even though the FA Cup sometimes can be overlooked. Uh, I think it was one of those things that it's like, hey, that's pretty impressive in its own right to have seven. You got to give it to Barcelona. They definitely played really well uh, up until running into Celtic. Let's talk about the top five. I won't waste my time with guys in the top ten. I will say this for Mino, Harry Kane, Luis Suarez, Jamie Vardy, and Paulo Dybala, along with Goncalo Guides and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, all made their mark on the tournament. But these five were the elite of the elite in the goal-scoring range with James Rodriguez with nine at the five spot, Musa Dembele of Celtic with 12 in the four spot, that man Ronaldo again with 13 in the third spot with Son and Kai Havertz tied with 15 goals each. Um, they share the golden boot. And just to talk about some of the best goal scorers in this tournament, uh, you know, Hinming Song also contributed 10 assists to his cause, Musa Dembele with nine Um but you look at those five players, and they obviously made a huge impact. Chelsea having two in this top five. They obviously were the winners of this cup. They're the champions of the FA Cup. Uh, and this is what it took. It took two guys to score double-digit goals, the only team to do that this season. Uh, it wasn't the case last year where Ronaldo really had to carry the squad, and we saw the dependence, regardless of the talent. It still came down to him scoring the goals. Um so I think that's the biggest change you've seen, and that's why Chelsea were so unstoppable. Everybody was able to contribute to some extent, but those two uh, really were the top-notch uh, guys who were banging in the goals. Once again, for Barcelona, though, you got to give it to Kai Havertz. He's made an impact on this Barcelona team ever since joining um, You know the change of the formation to putting him in the correct position to have him flourish. Uh, it has been a continued effort from this Barcelona team, and I don't think that'll change. I think that they'll continue to be a very athletic attacking side with youth as a weapon as well and pace. Um, I do expect this team to run into some tougher sides, uh, uh, mentalities at least going into the second half of the season because teams realize sitting behind the ball is going to become a customary thing. I think the tactics pe- people won't be so willing to score that first goal right away, I think there'll be some more patient teams in the second half knowing that they have to fight for every point because, as I'll get to when I talk about D1, there's some relegation potential sides that are going to have these transfers that they're making currently uh, a lot of impact. Uh, but anyways, let's move on to the last two guys, Celtic and Atletico Nacionales, Hamas Rodriguez and Musa Dembele. Hamas Rodriguez helped this Atletico Nacional team qualify to the second round. It wasn't enough, obviously, to get past Augsburg. But I do believe that this Nacional team is continually growing. And with the talent coming in, guys like Yusuf Paulson will really have the ability to flourish as, uh, a lot more. The more ability that gets brought into the team, the more talent, the more that one or two people aren't scoring all the goals and providing all the assists. And I think this is one of the few teams that you look at in the league you can start seeing their window open for potential to jump up into the title race. Then again, we say that about a lot of teams, but it is a good sight to see this team improving every single season. Speaking of teams that have improved, Celtic have come from D2 and have been in the most, one of the most incredible teams this season. They went on a run, they made it to the final, and they had the glory of finishing second against probably the most dominant team in our history. Where do Celtic go from here? 
Dre's peers have said that anything in the top 10 has been is going to be seen as, as a success. But as we've seen with people who finish in second place in these tournaments, the form tends to really drop off at the end, with the exception of Serge, who was the first D2 team to make it to a final, even though he did lose. He did not let that falter his form and went on to move up from D2 with the title. Can Dre do the same in the sense of finishing in the top eight? It's very possible. This team is going to have to continue momentum, and now that all eyes are going to be on Dre, he's going to have to focus on being able to replicate the amount of goals he was able to score in this tournament, especially in the knockout stages where he seemingly he felt like a goal factory. Will he be able to continue that? I'm not sure. But I do expect this team to score goals, albeit with the exit of St. Alan Maximin. I do think that this team is going to get better. And just like Atletico Nacional, they tend to bring in the right guys every single time. So we'll see what happens with this. Let's talk. Uh, actually, I'm going to take a break on this, and then I'm going to get you guys into some of the key transfers that I'm wanting to talk about on this podcast. I'll eventually get to as many as I can, uh, but I feel like I should highlight these uh, coming ones uh, that I'm going to talk about after the break. I hope you guys agree with me that some of these aren't the best moves and some of them are very much important to the teams that I'm going to talk about going forward. We'll be right back. All right, so it's transfer time. So using transfer market, we're able to give off value. Uh, Using SoFIFA, we transcend that value with statistics that we project to really help our cause into winning something. Now, see, that would be the motto for most teams. But we take a look at where Augsburg currently sit in the standings, and no, this isn't a Augsburg-only podcast. They've become the highlight of this podcast for a very specific reason. A 16 million euro deal sending Paul Pogba on loan with no option to buy to Augsburg from Manchester United is now becoming something that I just can't believe that I'm actually reading to you guys into the podcast. Manchester United currently sit 15th in the 15th spot with 15 points in 18 games. Manchester United obviously are avoiding relegation, and they've sent some key guys away along with Jamie Vardy to Kashima. Kashima currently one point ahead in the same amount of matches. Everybody's fighting to hold off relegation, but it doesn't seem like Manchester United are too worried. I have a similar, or almost in a sense, a same line of questioning for Augsburg. Because the thought process is, is I could catch Chelsea. Well, Augsburg currently are 10 points off the top in the third spot, 40 points in 18 games. They've only lost two, and they've won 12, been able to score 40 in those games. Now, most would say, well, 10 points is a lot. But with the addition of Pogba, can Augsburg actually make up that difference? And is 16 million euros really the difference in this title race? Now, obviously, I asked you guys on Instagram, and some of the answers were very mixed with some of the replies I got. Obviously, a good deal of us believe that this is a huge waste of money in the belief that you're not going to catch America or Chelsea. But the recent form from Augsburg, I think, says otherwise. I don't agree with the deal by any means. I don't believe he'll win the title by just off Pogba alone. Uh, But I do believe that... Getting a player that can really help this D2 
damaged midfield, something that I, you know, a lot of us have criticized. Roman is trying to fix, and albeit I don't agree with $16 million coming out of his pocket, it almost feels like extortion on Manchester United's part. Uh, but, hey, that's the current market. The 10 mil cap does not apply here, by the way, because it is not a purchase, a uh, permanent move. And that is something that we're going to pay attention to in the future. How much do managers charge to loan their players out? Um, and we'll see how that impacts things going forward. Obviously, a lot of people are gonna are looking at that deal like, what the hell? But to some of the managers that said yes, I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, you know, hit my line. Tell me what you think about that on Instagram at San Pedro FIFA League. Uh, I will be posting that question after the podcast is over, so you guys will have time to kind of react to that. Um, I just believe that it's just too much money for one player that you're not going to keep. You know, you look at the current transfer window uh, that, that's been going down. A lot of moves have been, uh, I, I would say, title builders, if we're looking at Benfica and Leicester. Uh, relegation savers, if you're looking at Kashima, a team that desperately needed some help. Uh, Bayern Munich have made a couple deals, you know, young boys making deals. Uh, Real Madrid has made a, a good hell amount of moves. So, I mean, there's teams that are trying to improve themselves all across the board. And you look at what this deal does is, is kind of fluctuates the market. I uh, will see, hopefully not. I, I just genuinely believe that 16 mil, like I said, is just too much, no matter how great Paul Pogba was. I mean, if, Paul Pogba was the best player in the world. I I still would be questioning this. Uh, but we'll see. Like I said, if Pogba makes an immediate mark and he starts to help this team do stuff they've never done before, I'll change my mind, right? But we have to see Roman change his style because 40 goals at this point in the season, you're looking at Chris, he scored 28 more in the same amount of matches. So we're going to have to see Roman become more progressive in the attacking third. And, of course, being able to keep that defensive uh, resilience. We'll see if he can handle the balance. Pogba is definitely a good start in that direction. Uh, if you want to check out uh, some of Pogba's stats, go to sofifa.com slash Paul Pogba. You guys can check him out there. He has an array of attacking talents. He has a good defensive knack to him, which I'm sure that Roman likes his ability to do everything. How much is he going to be relied upon? In the second half of the season, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, that's just one of the bigger deals that I thought we should talk about. Let's get on to one that I also really liked from Benfica. You know, I'm competing with Jalant in D2. But the thing that we've talked about uh, when I've gotten the chance to talk to him is that at this point, it's about going up. And yes, we're going to have to play each other. But there is a sensibility of going up. Winning D2 means absolutely nothing if you go to D1 and you come right back down. Right, So getting those top three spots has created something for those three clubs that, hey, going up is very much important, but it also you need to build your team to have stepping stones. And it's something that Jalant did to ensure that his team goes to D1 is bringing Lorenzo Insigne of Liverpool, 5.5 million euros on the deal, no buy option. But this is a deal that helps that entire attack, which already has <laughs> Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Christian Pavon, now has Insigne flanking in as well. Uh, this is going to make them, uh, I'm sure, even more of a goal threat on a consistent basis. And even if they stay in the 4-4-2, uh, there's no telling how many goals this team is going to be able to score as they look towards the second half of the season. This was one of the few additions that I can say 
makes this team scary, albeit he's not going to be able to keep Insigne for next season. But it is more of a move that ensures he goes to D1, and this is exactly what you need to do when you're in the top three. Even if he was... Even if he wasn't in the number one or number two spots, if he was in the third spot, it is about assuring that those teams below are not going to catch you. I have nothing wrong with this deal. I love this deal. It's a good one. As for myself and Lester, really quickly, um, I like some of the deals I've done. Obviously, I did the deals. Getting rid of Munayin, which I just did this, today before the podcast, I'll defend myself. He has been my best player. Uh, but right now it's about changing and getting ready for D1. Do I think I can make D1 even if I don't win the title, even if I don't get second? Yeah, I do. I don't believe that there's enough, an array of talent below to keep up with some of the things I've done so far. I know that they've made some really good moves down there in D2. A lot of those teams are improving and improving fast, as I talked to my producer about that today. And there is a pressure to make moves, not even just for myself or Jalant, but you're looking at Robert and what he did with Atletico. Houston, they're getting rid of Zlatan just a few minutes before I get on the podcast. People are making deals in D2 like they are D1 teams. And this is the growth of the league that we wanted to see. This is It's about time. The D2 teams realize the desperation to go up. And the D1 teams realize the desperation to stay up. And this is exactly what we've wanted from this ProRel uh, type of system. It works. It creates teams to become more hardened business people, whereas, you know, with the exception of the $60 million deal, uh, but it also makes people more reliant upon the players they, A, either drafted, or B, that they've brought in in the past, and now they have to continually keep these guys and not just be switching out players consistently. I would know I used to do the same thing. It does not work. You want to keep your guys as many as you can that work, and you see teams like myself, you see teams like Jalant, they're keeping the guys that work, getting rid of the guys that don't. Whereas you look at a Manchester United team, it's just it's just crazy. A lot of guys are getting offloaded. That doesn't mean he won't be able to stay up. It just means that the team is going in a direction where he is going to start getting rid of players and accumulating funds to help that transition. And we're seeing that with these D2 teams now. They're more willing to do those things. Uh, I have another deal that I just seen. It was Alvaro Morata. He is going to go to Houston pending deal, of course, on fund confirmation uh, and the board confirming that that can go through from Wolver, uh, excuse me, from Borussia Dortmund. We'll see how this affects this squad. I know they have Zaha on the team, but 12 points from 18 matches, 12 losses. It's been a little rough for this team. They're in an automatic relegation spot. I think that they needed to move very desperately and they did their thing. Um, how much can Wayne continue to grow with this side? We'll see. AC Milan have not played good. Uh, Young Boys are a D2 team that just came up. Uh, you're looking at Real Madrid and Manchester United. They made some moves. Kashima as well. I would even, I, I don't know if I'm ready to group in Nacional and Tottenham because they've had pretty decent seasons, but one bad run of form. You could see this Dortmund team take advantage of that and push their way out. Uh, as we come towards the end of the season, we'll see how these transfers truly affected these teams, of course. Uh, but you got to like it for Houston. They needed a goal scorer after getting rid of Zlatan to join up with Awobi and company. So we'll see how Houston uses them, and we'll see how Dortmund uh, play in the absence of one of their young strikers who, I mean, I wouldn't call him young as he used to be young. Uh, he has an absence of goals in real life. Uh, we'll see if Houston can get him turned around, much like he had Lukaku a season ago. 
I don't have time to sit here and talk about every single transfer. I like what everyone's done so far. Celtics made a couple good moves I'd like to, uh, that I uh, don't have time to talk about, but I really like. Arsenal, very weird seeing Pepe leave. Uh, Liverpool are already getting ready for next season. As you can see, they've started to loan off a lot of players. Uh, ben Yedder has gone from LAFC to uh, Club America. We'll see how that affects the team. Having a guy off the bench, uh, not that Serge needed more firepower, but he's got it. Wow. I mean... I mean, Bayern Munich get Munayin as well. That's something I don't know if I, I said that yet. But some of the moves being made by these teams that desperately need to make them, I like for the most part. I don't know about the Arsenal deal, but listen, they've kind of come back down to earth from where they previously were. I don't know if they'll be able to capture that again. We'll see. But these transfers from you guys so far, halfway into the window on this Wednesday, I like. As we get towards the weekend, we're going to see even more. Like I said, I'm just going to do an entire podcast on as many transfers as I can for next week, and then we can start talking about the standings again after this one because, my goodness, what a change of... Uh, or what a big drastic movement that has happened. I mean, I haven't seen these many pe- uh, this many people pop off and make transfers so immediately in the window. We usually see teams very patient, but because we only have a week now in the midseason, We're starting to see teams really make those moves, and I'm sure we're getting close to at least the hundreds already in moves. So uh, the board has done a great job. I hope they continue to do so. I spent some time talking to uh, Ryan today, and, you know, there's some things that are being worked on. There's a lot of of movement. Uh, So I hope those guys are getting through it pretty nicely. Have some patience for these guys. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of work being done by just these four uh, board members at the moment. So have some patience. We're going to take a break. I'm going to quickly talk about D1, D2, get you guys out of here and get you ready for the big transfer podcast we're going to do next week. I'll be right back. All right, so D2. D2 has been really fun uh, because of the step up of a lot of the teams. Let's get you guys going through... What is been, and I'll, I'll, let's get it over with talking about the top three. Leicester, Benfica, Ajax is where we sit. 37, 37, 32. The goal difference is a totally different um, battle for Benfica if he ends up tied with myself uh, because right now it's not close. It's 26 to 12. The highest scoring team in the league right now, though, is Ajax. Houston Dynamo, 51 behind him. Uh, the best defense is Leicester, I'll take that, with just 12 goals allowed. Uh, but right now with the 1-2 battle, you got to say we're coming down to a good ending to the season. Ajax still um, have some very important matches to play themselves so they can jump back into the title race. Right now, though, those three squads look like they're the favorites to go up. The only three teams with double-digit wins. The only teams over 30 points. you got to say you like their chances. Let's talk, though, about the teams in the 4 to 12 spots. And yes, you're probably thinking, you're going you're gonna to put City, Inter Milan, Grêmio in there? I, and I believe, yes. I believe I can. I believe that because things can change so rapidly, you don't know who's going to jump up. I'm not saying that they'll get into... I'm not saying they'll get into the four and five spots, but they could make it very hard on teams with the exception of Inter Milan against Houston for some reason. Can't seem to play a tough match against him. But with the exception of those matches, we haven't really seen Inter Milan and City tie yet, and I believe they'll be more resilient as the season goes on. They may not have much to fight for in the sense of positions for going up, 
but there is some money to be won left. And I think these teams are starting to see what D1 does with all the money they have and the moves they can make. And they're starting to confound that with, hey, if I can get to the eight spot this season, build my team up, I can get to the four and five spots next season. And I think teams are starting to have that logic. And if they could finish in the top eight of D2, I think they'll like their chances for next season. And I think that's what it's coming down to. Can you build if I can't go up? I think from the 10 and down spots, the the bottom three teams here in D2, I think that's what we'll look to see them do. But I think they'll play a factor for those teams in the four to nine spots. Speaking of those teams, teams like Al Ai, Torino, Club Leon, Atlanta United, so much better this year. You guys deserve to be applauded for the effort, the fight of trying to get yourselves up. And that's important. Here's why. I believe that the two teams in the playoffs currently at the moment actually have a chance of beating the two teams that are in the playoffs in D1. Because how bad they've been in D1, it could affect them when they have to play a D2 team. Right? And one team that knows all about that is the Houston Dynamo with AG. Right? I mean, he's had an incredible season. I know he already played a match for this month, and it was astounding. But this is becoming a team that can score. They do allow a ton of goals, granted. But they are in good. Uh, they could be good enough to not just make the playoff, but to get through the playoff and be, become one of the other D2 teams. Now, AG's been up there before, so he knows something about the playoff. He lost to Munich, a team that he could end up running into if Munich battles their way out of the automatic spots. Could we see a rematch? Could we see things where... These teams know each other very well from playing each other in the previous spots. That could really help these D2 sides that have had some good history against those teams. Or they could be total mysteries like an Ally or even Robert with Atletico Madrid, kind of a first time really getting up here and being able to hold their spot for over a month. We saw last season he really went up and then he kind of crashed and then he kind of tried to make a race at the end. Didn't quite get there, uh, but... This is something that I'm glad a lot of us are happy to see because it is a struggle to get into D1, but I believe the two teams that are currently in the playoff right now aren't going to stay there. I think they'll be knocked out for a bit. They'll go right back into the spots. We're going to see some teams interchange, and I believe from four to nine spots you'll see. Uh, Whether Atlanta United could get some momentum, we'll find out. I, I didn't pick Mike to have a good season at all, and he did start off really well to his credit. And he did he messed me up to get through into the FA Cup. So he he knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, he is actually my one tie <laughs> this season in D two. So he knows uh, he has familiarity with a lot of teams, but he has to stop allowing goals to go in. And he's got to start popping them in himself. Fourth worst offense in the division. So he's going to have to try and improve that. Carlos Vela now being gone. Uh, Mason Mount is kind of the really big guy only left. In my opinion, we'll see how he tries to get this team better. I don't believe it's going to get better for him, but there's a chance that he could really get and fight towards the fifth spot, whereas that fourth spot, I have a feeling that either Houston or maybe a Torino can kind of solidify themselves. Uh, Torino being one of the hotter teams at the moment here in D2, uh, with Houston being uh, another one of those, they could kind of get that fourth spot. And lock it down, kind of like how the top three have kind of pushed away already. It's their own; they're doing their own thing. I believe that uh, Houston could do that. Maybe Torino, if they continue the momentum. You look at the talent. 
I don't think I have to tell you about Mbappe, but you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ruben Neves, the main three that they rely upon. I, I think those guys will be important. You know, Odegaard joins this group, so there's talent coming in. This team has built its way through youth, and uh, they're looking like they could be one of the teams that has a chance to go to D1 next season, albeit barring something crazy from the top three guys into a playoff spot. Guys, I'm going to get you over to D1, but thank you guys for listening to the D2 part if you do. Uh, These guys are battling down here. There's only 12 of us right now at the moment uh, as the league will expand. We also like to welcome back Daniel O'Brien. I talked to him a little bit. I am going to try to get him on the podcast. I know Washburn's like, what the hell is going on here? This is dumb. Um, We also have Corey going to join us as well. Uh, So we have a couple teams that are going to join here in D2. We have teams that could potentially quit in the offseason. I hope they don't um, because I do believe we're getting to a point where D2 is not just competitive, uh, but it's a good place to build your squads. We'll see, obviously, who goes down. That will really affect things. We'll see how the additions of these teams affects the Cups, and I think that's something I talked about last week where we should have like a playoff to keep the 32 teams as an integrity uh, you know, of the groups and of the goal scorers to keep that as something relevant. Uh, in my opinion, I just believe that's something we should do. And that way, you know, you have things like the VT cup where it's like, Hey, everyone could get in. And maybe we change the format of that, uh, of that tournament as well to just knock out stages. It is such a preseason tournament in the eyes of so many of you. Why should we extend that tournament? You don't even make a lot of money off that tournament. Maybe we go into a two game knockout type of thing. Uh, where it's kind of like the Copa del Rey, where you play each other twice, the best team goes through, and then we just keep going all the way into the final. Uh, that's something that's something. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that's something that we should consider uh, as a league to just kind of get that tournament to literally be a lot more of a calming curtain raiser. That way, it's easier to f- have that tournament go into a wind, uh, the end of the window, and uh, I just, I just feel like that's where we should go, especially. It'll help these D2 teams not having to play some of the tougher uh, squads. They could kind of be matched up with uh, some random teams since we could still keep it very random. And that way some of these teams can get further in tournaments, giving them confidence for the new season. I think that's I know I'm throwing that in at the end of this uh, segment, but I think that's something that we should consider. Not just that top eight tournament for the best teams in the league, but maybe a restructure of the VT Cup. One, to give us some diversity in the way we play our tournaments, but also in the sense of, Hey, maybe let's say, for example, Atletico Madrid never has been to a quarterfinal. Maybe they get a nice path. They earn their way to the quarters. That would be kind of cool to see. Uh, I know a straight-up knockout stage type of tournament is very simplistic in some eyes, but I don't think we need anything too complicated since I don't believe goal scores were a factor or clean sheets or anything like that. And if you keep progressing, the money can just go up. That way we compensate for that as well. So we'll see if... That's something that the league might consider because it's a lot faster and it could really help with, hey, we can just get through this tournament kind of quick type of thing. And then we could just kind of start the season, which most people care about the league anyways. Uh, so we'll see how this can, uh, how this transforms. Hopefully it is to something very nice and helpful to everyone because the D2 teams are crying out for more money. You could still make them earn it. Just give them a better chance of doing so. Let's get you guys on to D1. And then to the end of the podcast, we'll be right back. All right, D1 Fanatics, uh, let's get into it. I'm going to have this. Obviously, I talked about D2 already, so I held D1 till the end of the podcast. Um, 
let's get into the standings because it's going to affect forget just the transfers for a second but we're going to talk a little about the relegation battle that is currently going on and we're going to start with the teams in uh excuse me we're going to start with the teams that are in the playoff spots at the moment we'll start with young boys uh listen they're currently tied with Manchester United it is a one goal difference between the two you know there's some talent on this team i know Raul Abiol is gone uh currently shopping a survey Emery Chan uh, you know, Buffon is one of the guys, but there is some talent on this team. Vincent Company has left, uh, I believe went to Al Ayn to join that back three, but there's some talent there. Alfonso Davies is a guy to watch out for going forward. Uh, Latoro Martinez, Moise Keen, who's also being shot, but I believe that he'll stay. Let's get into what young boys have to deal with this month of May. They have Real Madrid, Celtic, LAFC, Barcelona, Club America, and Tottenham Hotspur. I believe that there are points on the board here. I think you take out the Barcelona and America games. LAFC are very beatable this season. We'll see what kind of Celtic we're getting, but you saw how easily they were beaten. You could take something from those matches. Uh, Real Madrid is a team that's been shaky. And along with Tottenham, you don't know what you're going to get from this team, even though it's rumored that they could be getting bail. And I I have to say, if they, if he pulls off that deal... Tottenham Hotspur become a very important game going forward because uh, he can throw some people off in the title race. Uh, but as for the guys in the bottom five, Ronnie has his own chance now to keep himself out of there uh, permanently if he goes on a decent run. Real Madrid are in front of him. Celtic LAFC are also in front of him. You're not going to talk about the guys in the top four because you're not going to catch them. But you look at young boys, and even into next month, Kashima is right there to play, along with Bayern Munich. So there are some games that Ronnie really needs to win as we come towards the end of this first round of matches. He has to improve. And I believe that he can get some points here, along with some of the, uh, even the tough games. He could have a good game. He could get a tie, could get some points. Right now, I think it's all about accumulating as many points as you can. I think Ronnie has a decent schedule. I expect at least a 3-3 three and three type of run. Um, I don't think he'll get it. Uh, I'm trying to be nice, but I, I just believe that he has the opportunity to really help himself, especially the game against Real Madrid and Tottenham, teams that are within range of uh, being able to pass, and that's something important. AC Milan, another team that you want to watch out for. I mean, they've made—I don't think they've made any moves really of that much impression because I can't remember off the top of my head. They haven't blown me away, but their schedule isn't the worst going into next month. This is a team that also needs to push off, and Tottenham Hotspur seem to be a team to talk about. They play them along with Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Liverpool. That's loaned off a lot of their players. Real Madrid and PSG, because Liverpool have kind of, in a sense, said, "Hey." I'm going to ship off my best players. I'm not getting relegated. I'm not going to win. This could be an interesting match that could really help AC Milan. A very big victory against Munich and or Tottenham could get them going in the month. The Chelsea game, can't really expect much at this point. But the games against PSG, who are at the very bottom of our table, and Real Madrid could really help Hondo get up the ladder before it gets really bad because he goes into the next month having to play some teams uh, that... He hasn't dealt with very well a Wolves team he hasn't dealt with, a Club America, Barcelona, teams he's not been good with next month. So he needs to really show how good he is as he goes into this um, particular part of his schedule here in May. Has to get points. I expect at least three wins based off the schedule. 
but because Munich and Tottenham are improving, we'll see. Real Madrid could be that team that really starts to turn up. It looks like they have a softer schedule uh, just based off the records of the teams and where they sit in the table. You kind of like their their odds to get out of that 14 spot. But we'll see if Young Boys and AC Milan could play spoiler. As for Dortmund, Bayern, and PSG, it's not looking too good <laughs> amongst them. I mean, it's been not even more than 10 wins on the season. They've struggled. A combined seven wins amongst the teams in the bottom three. And for Borussia Dortmund, their month starts with PSG, a direct line to get out. And if you're PSG, it is the direct line to get out as well. So one of these teams could possibly be looking at this matchup as the biggest matchup on their schedule. Once again, just looking through the the schedules, LAFC, Barcelona, Club America, Tottenham Hotspur, and Wolves seem to be a recurring theme. Whoever can run through these squads out of the bottom five, the best could be the team that gets out of it. Now, obviously, Club America has transformed themselves into a juggernaut, and I'm sure Barcelona aren't going to lose very many matches playing against some of the bottom teams in the league. But because teams like Wolves have a leaky defense... You don't know what you're going to get from Tottenham on any day. Along with LAFC, Borussia Dortmund could get their momentum going very nicely with a victory against PSG, then try to turn that to the rest of the division and hope and pray that they did enough this window, uh, even with the absence of Alvaro Morata, uh, to hope that they can get some goals and get themselves out of the automatic relegation spot. Now, there are some teams that like Munich and like PSG that we've seen in the past where they just quit. See, these teams aren't out of, they're not out of it yet. And even though the deal to move Casper Dolberg along with seven mil to get Munayin in return could really help this team because of the flexibility. And you look at the rest of the roster, there's a ton of talent on this team. Uh, we'll see how that affects it, but it's going to come down to can Munich set their tactics. I haven't really had the chance to talk to Luis uh, outside of just doing deals, but it looks like the match against Kashima, AC Milan, uh, excuse me, where was it? Uh, Celtic are going to be big ones. Manchester United, another name that pops up on uh, this uh, league schedule for these bottom five teams. Directly ahead of Munich are some are most of these teams, obviously. You know, Kashima, AC Milan, Manchester United. Luis needs a time to prove himself. This is it. The Augsburg match, it's not going to be probably great. Nacional, probably not going to be great. Celtic, probably not going to be great. But you have to grab points. If you can at least get a 10-point change out of these six matches, I think Luis would take that in a heartbeat. You look at his next month, he is going to want to win as many of these games as he can because the only easy team, just based off their record on next month's schedule, is young boys in Kashima, and I don't think that Luis wants to put himself in a hole with two months to go in the season. Uh, and I think the same will be said for the rest of these teams. Uh, PSG, listen, I mean, PSG have just been awful uh, from the get-go. And listen, I, I feel like they have some talent, but a lot of it's a lot of guys that mostly are system players, in my opinion. And right now they haven't found the right system. And the road does not get easier for PSG. If you look at their next two months, I could say, yeah, they have a chance of really helping themselves in the last two months. But this one, I don't know. Besides the game of, with Dortmund and AC Milan, I don't think PSG are going to want to look at the rest of their schedule. Chelsea, Liverpool, Real Madrid, and Wolves, 
all teams that haven't had a problem with PSG since his uh, appearance in the league. So we'll see how this team acts to it. I don't believe that PSG are going to be able to survive this month uh, and then look to the last two months and say, hey, we can get something out of it. But we've seen some crazy things happen in this league. If PSG want to be the first team to dig themselves out of this battle and get the dominoes rolling, then so be it. I hope that they do it. I believed a lot in Josh last season in, in the second division, uh, and he didn't pull through. And listen, he's up because people quit, but he's here now, and he has to make an impact on what he can do. If he were to get 10 points, who knows? He can jump himself all the way up to the 13-14 spots, depending on how everyone else does. And it's possible. One win would put him on 11 points, and you don't know where he's going to go from there. Especially a big win against uh, his counterpart in Wayne. You never know what's going to happen, especially with these in the bottom five and the three, I would say the bottom eight. They could very much interchange uh, within just one month's time. So we'll obviously talk about that as the season comes to a close, uh, especially as we get into July. It's going to be um, more of, a, uh, of an interesting battle to see who's pulled away using their transfers they had. Um, obviously, the rest of the table really hasn't changed too much, so I won't waste my time talking about that. Let's uh talk about oh sorry i uh was going to say thank you guys once again for listening i forgot this is the end i hadn't uh i originally was going to put d1 before d2 but because of Dre's comments in the past i decided to put d2 ahead so that way he can't just turn the podcast off um as for d1 like i said it's been a little bit more of the same we are going to get an interesting battle between our best two defenses in D1 and Chelsea and America until the end. Uh, I believe there is a move to be made by both teams still in the window. Uh, that could really shake things up. We'll see what Chelsea do with their newfound money. Uh, maybe it is the bail deal that I'm hearing a lot about. We'll see. I mean, I, there's no details on that yet except for Roy, a Royce Bale swap is what I'm hearing uh, from my sources. Other than that, I don't have much else for you guys. Uh, I believe that there is something to that deal if it does happen. I think Bale could help Tottenham, and I do believe Royce can play the positions that Chelsea need to be versatile. They don't need more attacking players in the sense of strikers, but maybe someone who could play out on the wings. And even then, I could argue that he doesn't need that either. Uh, there's so much versatility uh, to this Chelsea team, and they may need that, uh, might need that the next time they run into the teams in the top four or five range. Once again, I want to just thank you guys for listening so much to the podcast because you guys really help it uh, stay afloat. I don't think I would do it if only 10 of you listened, so though all you guys who listen, thank you guys very much. Seriously, from the bottom of my heart. I will keep you guys updated on as many transfers as I can. Obviously, they affect the teams very much, and we're going to see how those, uh, how those moves play out in the next coming months. We have three months to go. We have a title race where we only have four points between the two teams. We have a, teams, a team sitting in third and fourth that have an outside chance. And it's possible that with a team finally knocking off Chelsea or America, we could see more teams jump into the race. We were really tight in the race up until Chelsea got hot last season with at least four or five teams. We'll see where we go from here, and I hope you guys are along for the ride here on the podcast. I'll bring you guys more news as I can on the next podcast of the San Pedro FIFA League. So thank you guys once again for listening. I've been, I'm George Toe, and this has been the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. You guys will hear from, uh, from me next week on Wednesday, hopefully. 
I'll let you guys know. I'll post on the page, and I'll post the link from now on on the Instagram page. Thank you guys once again.